Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing Word from God. God bless you. Well, hey, we're in a semi-new series, not really new, but um, we're coming to the close of it, actually. So um, we're in That'll Preach, where we take stuff from Hollywood, stuff from music, stuff from random places in our culture, and we you know, really are using it to demonstrate what is Jesus saying now to the church? What is the Holy Spirit saying now to the church? And maybe it wasn't meant to preach the gospel, but we are going to use it to preach the gospel. And so the, the clip I chose to use is from a little bit ago. I think most everybody is aware of this clip, and, uh, and it's pretty quick, so we'll just throw it up. Why, it's little Goldilocks, of course. Hello. Hello. I wonder who lives here. Ooh, horrid. Oh, that's too hot. That's too cold. Started off as the remix of Goldilocks. That was pretty cool. I feel like, honestly, I'm married to Goldilocks. My wife, Tanae, is like, it's like the cutest thing I was watching. I was like, that looks like my wife. Um, and uh, I, I think that's a really, you know, it's a really interesting clip. And as I was preparing for this message, you know, that literally came to mind as a lie that's been sown into, you know, and I'll specifically speak on my generation, the millennial generation, and, and maybe it's, you know, for, for those of us in the past, and I believe it's something that the devils want to, to intertwine into our culture and, and does, you know, his best to do it, is this idea that we are meant to have a just right life. This idea that my life should actually be handcrafted for my preferences, my comfort, my joy, my convenience, me, 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 me. And yet, that's not what we see when we read our Bible. That's not what we see when we hear about the kingdom of God. It's actually quite inverse. And while, you know, and, and honestly, who drinks porridge? Like, does anybody here drink porridge? Not a single human drinks porridge in this place. So that's the first jacked up thing about that clip. But, because I was, you know, basically tricked into trying porridge when I was a young kid, because I was like, oh, well, it must be yummy. But uh, it's not, it's not, it's disgusting. It's disgusting. So is oatmeal, for that, for that matter. I know, whoa, 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 whoa. I knew I was gonna get some people with that one, yeah. But you know it's like the same thing? It's like the same thing, it's like modern day. Yeah, I don't know what to tell you. All right, let me keep going. But, so that's the first jacked up thing about it. The second is, 
This idea that we're meant to have our lives just right. And it's a lie that I believe the devil has tried to sow into every possible movie, every possible book, every possible piece of music, anything that he could do to get us believing that as a generation and as even a church to imagine, oh, if it's not just right, then you shouldn't partake of it. If it's not convenient for you, if it's not easy for you, if it's not comfortable, then that's not the best life that is out there for you. And I found that that's an absolute lie. This isn't Burger King where you can have it your way. It's not the kingdom. And, uh, and honestly, that's a lie anyway because I've been to Burger King before and I've wanted chicken fries and guess what they didn't have? They didn't have chicken fries. And so guess what, Mr. BK, you can't have, what are chicken fries? Great question. Chicken fries are basically the epitome of chicken strips. It's like the highest echelon of chicken strips because I don't have a lot of time to get into it, but it's, it's the best thing you could possibly eat. And I discovered it in, I think, middle school, like seventh grade, eighth grade. It's probably really bad for you, as Dr. Kevin would say. But um, either way, you can't, you can't have it your way there even. So there's, where can you have it your way? Um, the devil wants us to think that we can have it our way and still follow Jesus, but it's actually not possible. You see, I tried to follow my have it your way, my Disney dream, my just right um, for the first 22 years of my life. And I can tell you it was an absolute train wreck. Uh, I lost my dad at nine years old and so thought, well, there's probably nothing really to live for when it comes to God. I grew up Catholic and Jewish, which is a whole nother thing for a whole nother time. Um, But basically that taught me, well, you know, everybody's confused about God, so God must not be real or he must not care. And so I lived my whole life up until I was 22 and got invited to this church like he wasn't real. And so I tried to do everything my way, um, as Frank Sinatra would say, and it actually just destroyed every part of my life. And anyone that's lived like that can attest to that. I think fortunately for me, God fast-tracked me on a path of destruction, I really do believe that I was allowed to go through a lot of the hell I put myself through because the faster I could compress that learning experience, the faster I could pivot and say, I'm going all in for the kingdom because I'm tired of my life looking like a disaster and not even sure where I'm gonna end up after I die. And so when the kingdom was presented to me, I said, oh my gosh, this is exactly what I've been looking for my whole life. And I never thought I'd find it here. It would be the last place I thought, I would find it. You see, Proverbs 14, 12 says, there's a way that looks right to a man, but its way actually ends in death. You see, the Disney dream or the just right is actually not God's dream for us. It's not his best for us. See, God doesn't want anything that's not his best for us. So that means that even though it may not be my way, even though it might not be convenient, the kingdom is actually God's best for you and I. He wants us to flourish. He wants us to enjoy our life. He wants us to And the devil sold a lie that, hey, if you just follow me, I'll have all the fun. I've got the party. I've got the life. I've got everything you want wrapped up in this box called the world. And guess what? It's an empty promise. I can vouch for it. I've tried most drugs. I've done quite a bit of partying. I've done all the things the world said. This is how you fill your life up with happiness and part and joy. And it's actually depleting. It's actually spiraling downward is the result you get. And God says that the way of the righteous spirals upward. And that's the plan he has for us. And that's what I've seen in the last seven years since entering the kingdom was, wow, everything I thought I would never experience in God's house was actually what I experienced in God's house and never found it anywhere in the world. And so the devil wants to sell us this counterfeit 10X life. You've heard of that, 10X? 
I'm a 10x this, I'm a 10x that, 10x your relationship, 10x your finance. It's like, okay, great, that's, it's, it's a lie, so you can't even 10x, you'll actually 10x backwards, um, which you can do, you can actually 10x backwards, and I did it. God wants to give us freely the 100x life. And so that's the title of my message, is the 100x life, the 100x life that God wants us to live. So what does 100x look like? Well, first of all, it's not a microwave life. Um, it, there is a process to it, um, and it will cost us something. But all it will cost us is giving up our old way of thinking, our old way of being, the old dead self, and embracing a new self, which the Bible talks about being a new creation in Christ. Because God's intended outcome for us is that we would glorify him. So what does that mean? It means that as God has given us a free gift in salvation, free gift in life here, which is actually pretty radical if you think about it. If you stop and think about, wow, I could spend eternity in hell. Wait, I'm not going to because I have life in Jesus. And he's given me instructions on how to prosper here, how to have influence here, how to enjoy my life here. That sounds pretty rad. So as he's given us that free gift, now we get to work not for a gift, not for salvation, not for approval, but from approval. And now I get to say, God, you gave me all of this. You gave me such a radical gift. I'm going to spend the rest of my life trying to gift something to you because when I get to heaven, we cannot gift God anything. The one thing, the one reason Jesus came to earth was to destroy the works of the devil and to reunite sons and daughters back to the father. So guess what? That means God cares about it. And if God cares about it, and he can't do it in heaven, meaning it's already done, then that means I get to partner with God here on earth and actually help be an influence, be a light, be the one that maybe the reason someone comes to church, maybe the reason someone hears the gospel, maybe the reason someone gives their life to Jesus, and now I get to be part of that process. That sounds like a win, 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 as Michael Scott would say. Win, win, win. So what, are, what does that look like? What is, what is the on-purpose and enjoying your life on purpose, because it's not like God doesn't want you to enjoy your life. It just looks different. The devil, uh, in John 10, 10, Jesus is saying the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So he comes to kill the party. But Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. Matthew 5, 16 says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. 1 Corinthians six twenty says, for you were bought at a price, Christ on the cross. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Not mine, they're God's. Colossians 3.17 says, and whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. John 15.8 says, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. Shout out Pastor Mike for Wednesday. That was great message. So you will be my disciples. John 17.4 says, I have glorified you on earth, Jesus speaking, because I have finished the work you have given me to do. Wow, so how do I glorify God? I finished the work that he gave me to do. And God wants us to finish the work he gave us to do, which is to become more like him, be a light to those who need it, and help influence those who are lost to come back home. It's pretty simple. But to do that, we should probably have a 100x life. Because in Psalm 92, 13, it says, those who are planted in the house of our Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. So how many know when you start to 100x your life, people start asking, hey, how are you doing that? And, uh, and you don't say, oh, I signed up for this, this Grant Cardone course, right? Or I signed up for this, or I went to this Tony Robbins thing. Like, I've done those, and they don't yield the fruit that they promise. And it's not there, and it, and it works. You know, there's stuff that works. But there's no 100x promise, and there's no 100x return like following Jesus and the kingdom of God on earth and in heaven. And so with these two perspectives, obviously pretty easy choosing, I'm going to go with God's way. I'm going to follow Jesus. Like none of us here are like, you know what? After that, I think I'm going to stick with the devil's way. That sounds like a better plan for my life. But there's actually different ways we approach God 
and how we approach him, what the mindset is that we approach him with is actually the way that we'll receive, whether it be the 30, the 60, or the 100x life or none of it. And so the way we approach God, I liken it to a little scenario I made up in my head. So just follow along with me and let's have some fun. So imagine, not your house, Imagine like an Airbnb. Imagine something completely different because this, this will be upsetting to you if you imagine your own house. So imagine a different house and you're there on vacation and you know there's a pool. There's a massive pool, massive, massive, massive pool. And you're there with your family and there's, you know, there's properties around you, um, but not so close that you don't feel like you're on vacation. And so you're, you're you know, at this house. Problem with the pool though, Big pool, but not heated, no solar, and so it's freezing. Like, you're not jumping in there. It's winter anyway, so it's even colder. But you're like, I'm not jumping in the pool. Um, I'm instead just going to enjoy, you know, the scenic views, and maybe there's some vineyards around. You can go wine taste. Um, Sounds amazing. And so you're there, and then all of a sudden you wake up one morning, and it's freezing. It's like 60 degrees outside, maybe 50. And uh, (laughs) that is cold, okay? (laughs) Wow, wow. Yeah, like all of you are sitting here like, yeah, that's... Come on, we're in San Diego, people. We have very, very, uh, not the skin that you need to live somewhere else. I tried Utah, it's too cold. Okay, so you wake up, it's frigid. It's 45 degrees out, 50 degrees out, whatever. And uh, yeah, you might as well be in another state. Either way, you wake up and you get this, you know, this text on your phone and the TVs are blaring and it's like, there's a fire, there's a fire around the corner, there's a fire that's eating up all the land around you. And so you're like, oh my gosh, that sounds crazy. Let me go out and see if I can see it. You go out and you don't see anything. You maybe see a little bit of smoke, but it's not enough to like make you really nervous. And you're like, oh, maybe it won't come here. But all the alerts are saying you can't leave, like the roads are closed. So you're like, oh, maybe I'll just wait it out here. And then you remember and you look at the pool and you're like, oh, okay, well, if the fire's really coming, I could just jump in the pool. But remember, the f- pool is freezing. It's probably like 37 degrees, 38 degrees. And uh, freezing, right? Freezing. And you'd have to wait in there a while but the fire's not there yet. So you're like, oh, I think I'm okay. So you've got three options. And these are the same three options that we have when we approach the living water of Jesus with a fire coming, because there is one coming. And so we can approach in three ways. Number one, we can resist. We can say, you know what? I don't think it's all hyped up. I think, I don't think the fire's gonna come. I'm not getting in that pool. It's too freezing. It's too cold. It's gonna cause me to be too uncomfortable. It's gonna be too much of a thing. It's, 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 it's not worth it. It's not worth all the time, all the energy, et cetera. And so you just wait outside and you're just outside of the pool and you're like, I'm not doing it. For sure gonna get burned, just FYI. Like for sure burning. And then option number two. I know it's a little intense. Option number two, it gets more. Option number two. You could wade into the water. How many have ever just like waded into a freezing cold pool? And just, it's like the worst thing ever. Like I do it every time. I'm like, Alex, just jump in the flipping pool. And so I wade in and you're wading in. You're like, oh, and you got your family with you. You're wading in and, um, and, and you're like, I'll just wade it out. And maybe if the fire really comes, I'll jump all in. If not, I wouldn't have had to get all uncomfortable anyway. But the problem with just wading and waiting till the last minute, because that fire will come, and you will have to jump in that pool, is it's a large pool, and you're the only ones in it, and none of the neighbors have one. And so if you just wait in the pool and say, I don't think the fire's going to come, instead of showing them, hey, jump in the pool, hey, come in the pool with me, because if you're not all the way in the pool, why would your neighbors think that there's ever any danger? Why would the people around you think, well, if they're not all in, why would I even think about it? Why would I even consider it? The fire's probably not even coming, and yet you're the one that knows that it is. And so you can't bring people with you because obviously the last selection is you just jump all in, which is the best way to do it. Just do a full on cannonball, bring your whole family in, suck it up for about 15 to 30 seconds, and then you'll be fine and you'll feel warm. And uh, yeah, just don't pee in the pool because it's got that blue dye that'll release and everybody will know. 
but that's your option. But the problem is it'll just be your family because all you thought about was your family. And we didn't think about the people around us that are watching how we respond to this supposed fire coming and us not living all in, us not being all in for Jesus means that maybe it's not a big deal. And then at the very end of our life, we say, you know what, all in for you, Jesus. And Jesus has mercy on us and he has grace. And so he allows for that. But we didn't get to fulfill the purpose and the work that he had for us. And so these are the three positions we could be in right now. And there's no shame. There's no condemnation for where we're at now. But I'm believing that by the end of this message, you're going to be able to, and we all are going to be able to take a step from wherever we're at into the best that God has for us. C.S. Lewis said it this way, Christianity, if false, is of no importance. And if true, of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. And yet many of us in the church, not this church, not Awaken. This is for all of your other friends. So just remember, this message is not for you. It's not for you. Don't listen for yourself. Just only listen for other people. Um, live like Christianity is just moderately important. Like it's kind, of, it's kind of essential, but kind of not. But there's no way it could be. It's either one or the other. And Jesus talks about these different mindsets, heart postures, in a parable called the parable of the sower, which we're going to read right now. And so he says this parable, if you don't get this parable, you don't get anything in the kingdom. This is the most important parable that he shares. So he starts here. Matthew 13, verse one. On the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea and great multitudes were gathered together to him so that he got in the boat and sat and the whole multitude stood on the shore. Then he spoke many things to them in parables saying, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some feast, some fell seed. Wow, wow, wow. Some seed fell by the wayside and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched because they had no root and withered away. And some fell among the thorns and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground. Someone say good ground. And yielded a crop, some 100, some 60, some 30 fold. He who has ears to hear is let him hear. And then verse 18, Jesus explains what this parable meant. He said, therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, hears about Jesus, hears about the kingdom of God, and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. Then he is he who, this is he who receives the seed by the wayside. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet has no root in himself but endures only for a little while. For when tribulation and persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now he receives seed among the thorns as he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. But he received the seed on the good ground as he who hears the word, understands it, and indeed bears fruit and produces. Some 100, some 60, some 30. And so we have an option in our lives to decide how we wanna receive the word of God. And if we receive the word of God on good soil, which means I am open to following Jesus at whatever cost, then we can see a hundredfold life. But if we don't, we won't. And so I have three quick points, and these points are going to be related to each too hot, too cold, and just right. So the first point is choose to care what God thinks, because the opposite of that is living too cold. Choose to care what God thinks. And the first place we find ourselves is really where we all begin at some point in our lives, which is outside of relationship with Jesus. This is the rocks that are talked about on the wayside in that parable. And the seed that falls on the wayside is those who hear about God, hear about the kingdom of God, but really don't think it's important enough or urgent enough to actually act upon or do anything with. And so we don't care to understand more. 
And for myself, I grew up, like I said, Catholic and Jewish, um, a whole confusing set of problems that arose because of that. And uh, basically, I went to one synagogue on one night of the week, and I was taught there that Jesus was really like a good dude, but not the Savior by any means. Definitely not like God himself. There's no way. He was a great teacher, great prophet. That was it. Um, so I was like, okay, I, I can understand that. And then I went to Catholic Mass, and to be honest, I don't even remember what they taught about because I'd fall asleep within 15 minutes max. Um, but I do remember sitting there, and before and after my nap, I would see this. I, don't pretend like y'all didn't if you grew up that way. And uh, I would look up, and I would see this, you know, this, this figurine of Jesus on the cross, dead. And that's it. And there was no life in the room. I never saw any power. So I just thought, oh, God's either dead or he's just apathetic. Because losing my dad when I was nine years old, I felt no comfort. I felt no joy. I had everything that, you know, I thought was supposed to be pure was stripped from me. And I said, okay, well, if God, you know, if I'm doing all this stuff, if I'm showing up to church, if I'm showing up to synagogue and nothing's happening and nothing's changing in my heart, then this must all be fake. And so when you, you know, have a kid, and you're teaching a kid to believe that God's either apathetic or not real, then guess what? He's going to act like it. And so that was my life. I tried to 10X my life by myself. And guess what? That ended up in massive spiral decline Um, because I tried to find love and connection the world's way, train wreck. I tried to flourish financially the world's way, train wreck. I tried to meet all the needs that were holes in my heart in the world's way, train wreck. And it wasn't until I came to this church that I actually realized, wow, God has a way of doing things that's better, that brings life, that produces fruit. And so in seven years, the miracles that have taken place, like Pastor Mike Finn was talking about at the beginning of the service, I'm a walking miracle because my life was so backwards that God has done what he's done and 100X'd my life only, only because of the following of the kingdom that we can all do. And that is the key to living in the kingdom is don't live cold, care about what God thinks care about what God thinks. Because life without God is actually not life at all. It's a slow death. And giving up my way of living to be in Christ was the best decision I could have ever made. And I wish I made it earlier, but I'm thankful I went through what I went through because I can tell y'all who are trying it the other way, there is no life there. You will never find it. This is the only way is to repent of what we've been trying to do, change our minds and see the kingdom of God come to pass in our lives. Amen, amen, amen. That's so good, so good. A little intense. But it's fun. You know, it's all good. It's all good. The Raiders are probably losing right now. So my life is just, you know, wonderful. Okay. I don't care anymore. Honestly, I don't care anymore. After last week, over it. So over it. Yeah. 22 years, y'all. 22 years of my life. Every Sunday. And uh, it's okay. I'm going to move on. Point number two. Choose to surrender all. The opposite of just right. Choose to surrender all, which is always beyond your comfort level, just in case you didn't know. The second place we can find ourselves, in my opinion, is actually the worst, most dangerous place we could be. It's the stones and the, it's the, stones and the thorns. You see, the stones and the thorns represent caring about myself more than I care about God's way of doing things. I care more about self-preservation than giving my life. Um, or I care about what the world says to care about instead of prioritizing the kingdom and what God says. And that's just Christian Buddhism. It's professing the name of Jesus without actually adhering to what he says. It's backwards. It's like subscribing, God, this is what I say about you. 
Oh, you have something you want to say? No, that's probably outdated. I know what you want because I'm progressive and I'm forward thinking and I'm smarter than 2,000 years of people who have followed Jesus and were close to him and I just know better. Well, no, you're woke and you need to repent and you need to turn from your ways, humble yourself, and you will see God do massive miracles in your life. Remember, not for anybody here. It's all for our friends. It's all for our friends. Uh, Ultimately, we need to seek God's will above everything else. Matthew 6, 33 says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Um, and it's talked about in a few places. Romans two twenty nine talks about approval from God, not man. It says a person with a changed heart seeks praise from God, not from people. How do I know if I'm a Christian? How do I know if I have a changed heart? Well, I don't seek approval from men. I seek approval from one. Which is why in 2020 and 2021, we had the courageous Pastor Jurgen who did not give a rip what government said because it was disobeying what God was saying. And so if there's an authority in your life, if there's a friend in your life, if there's a family member in your life that says, hey, you can't do this, but God's saying to do this, there's a way obviously to do all this. And that's why you have connect groups and that's why we have you know, ministry teams where you can get wisdom and do things in wise counsel. But when God's saying something and you're told not to obey it, the best thing for you to do is elevate God's voice above all. And how do you know if it's God's voice? It's in his word. How do you know if it's in his word? Read your Bible every day and you'll find out. Or ask your connect group leader. Either way. Matthew 16, 24 to 26 says this, and Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. What? I thought we were supposed to love ourselves. Self-love, you know, self-love. Like, I'm gonna do me. I'm gonna do me. It's about me. No, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. That sounds backwards. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Luke 14, 25 to 27. Now, this one's intense. Hold your horses. Now, great multitudes went with him, and he turned to them and said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother and wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be known. I know. Super intense. Super intense. It's in the Bible. I didn't say it. It's not my opinion. But let me give it context. He's actually not saying to hate them. He doesn't want you to hate them. He actually wants you to love them. And that's in John, 1 John 3, 15. It says this, whoever hates his brother is a murderer. Okay, Jesus, you need to give me the clear context here because it seems a little schizophrenic. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. So which one is it? God wants you to love your family. He wants you to love your friends. He wants you to love your neighbors. But what he doesn't want you to do is elevate their opinion above his. And that's what that means. That's all it means. So when you read that and you think, wow, this is weird. I'm just gonna throw out the whole Bible. Not a good idea, not a good idea. Just get some context and you'll be okay. And lastly, Revelation 3, 15 to 16 says, I know your works, this is God speaking, that you neither are cold nor hot. Think about the porridge, which nobody eats. I could wish you were cold or hot. Wow, God says, I don't want you lukewarm. I want you cold or hot. Wait, but God, cold is away from you. Yeah, but I don't want you lukewarm. Well, I think lukewarm is better. Well, I guess we'll all find out at the end of days, won't we? So then, because you are lukewarm, I neither, and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Well, that's not nice, God. That's not nice. Don't say that. I'm not gonna accept it. Okay, well, we can find out at the end of days. I wouldn't recommend going against God's word. You can't pick some and cherry pick some scriptures and then avoid others. They're all there, and they're all there for a reason. And so we need to be the kind of Christians that say, I'm not, I'm not okay with, I'm not okay with just right. I'm not okay with being lukewarm. I'm going to make a stand. And today, at the end of service, we're going to have an opportunity for everyone who feels like they've maybe been lukewarm to step into a place of personal revival by surrendering that way of living and moving into the next. Because the truth is, everything that's just right, even though right now it, feel, it looks just right, if 
Miss Goldilocks would have let that porridge sit for a little longer, guess what it would have been? It would have been cold. So just right never stays just right. It actually moves into cold, which means you can't be a lukewarm Christian because eventually you'll be a cold Christian, which isn't a Christian at all. And that's the problem we have in this, in the church is you've got pastors teaching woke doctrine that says you could be a lukewarm Christian and they all end up deconstructing it out of the church, living backwards. And unless someone wrangles them by the neck and gets them back in church and back into relationship with God, they're going to end up burned. And that's not God's plan. It's not his best. So we have to preach the Bible. We have to teach the truth. And the truth is, if we live in this hard posture, we're going to have to constantly replan ourselves. It's like unplanning, replanning, unplanning, replanning. The Bible says that those who are planted in the house of God shall flourish in the courts of their God. So if we're not planted consistently, we can't see growth. If you're wondering why some th- areas of life, and remember, this is not for you, this is for friends. If they're not flourishing and you're wondering why, it's probably because that area has not been planted. And it's unsurrendered. It's withheld, it's withheld, and whatever you withhold from God, God cannot revive. He cannot breathe on. He can't put fire on. And so what keeps people in just right? Fear of man, either needing approval from others rather than from God, which, you know, Matthew 6, seek his will. Fear of becoming the person that burns other people. Fear of becoming religious. Fear of becoming that guy that says turn or burn on the streets. I promise you, I've been all in for Jesus for seven years. Never once did I have the inkling, wow, you know what I really want to do today? I want to go and make a poster and I want to just, you know, tell people that they're going to turn or burn. That's actually not kingdom. That's not God's best and that's not his way of doing things. And you don't throw the whole baby out with the bathwater. Trust me, you can be passionate about Jesus and still have fun and still have joy and still have peace and still be really nice human, right? But I'm not gonna elevate my niceness above being truth and grace and love to people. Um, or lastly, the reason people maybe stay in lukewarm as we, if we could have the keys up would be great is the fear of the fire burning them. The fear of the fire burning them. And that's just a wrong view of God. Because there's two fires we can approach, we can deal with. And one is here and one is in the next life. I'd rather deal with the one here and that is the refiner's fire. Pastor Mike Finn and I were talking about this message a few days ago and he was helping me understand the refiner's fire is actually what is designed to remove impurities from gold. It's actually not meant to hurt or damage. It actually is intended not to do that to the gold. It actually makes it better. It purifies it. It makes it, it takes all the toxin. It takes all the, all the bad things out and it makes it beautiful. And that's God's plan. But if we choose to reject God in this life, guess what? We'll be, you know, in the lake of fire, which is not a great place to be, just FYI. And uh, it's not his intention. He actually made that for Satan. He didn't make that for you and I. And he doesn't put us there. We put ourselves there by rejecting him because it's the only place in the universe ever without God. Really bad place to be. Yeah, really encouraging, Alex. Really appreciating this message. Wonderful. But now you got a link you can share with your friends that, you know, because you don't need this. We don't need this. It's just our friends. And, uh, and, and the problem with lukewarm is you can't be 100x to anybody. You can't be a light to anybody. You can't be what God's plan is. And, and nobody's going to listen to you because you're halfway in, you're halfway out. And you wonder what, we wonder why neighbors and friends and coworkers don't want to come to church because they see us doing what they're doing on the weekends. And they're like, well, if the fire's not coming, then why do I even bother getting in the freezing cold water? It sounds really uncomfortable. Because I grew up around Christians that, you know, said they were Christians and they had a cross around their neck, Jesus in their bio, but they were doing the same stuff I was doing. So all that told me was fire's not coming, nothing to be worried about, and I'm just gonna do my own thing, which was actually very, you know, led to some pretty terrible things. And as we take inventory of where we are today, if our lives look like the world, smell like the world, taste like the world, it probably is of the world. 
And at the end of service, I want to give us all an opportunity to take the step of moving from lukewarm into hot, which is actually where we need to be. And that's the last point is choose a life of purpose, which actually is the refiner's fire. It will be uncomfortable. It will be difficult. It will be freezing. It will be uh, in moments, but those moments are much better. And they're done with a loving father who cares for you and wants to see you win and wants to see you prosper and wants to see you in good health. Bible says that God has good plans for us plans prosper us not to harm us to give us a hope in the future but he said that to Israelites who were about to be exiled into Babylon for 70 years there was a process there was a difficulty there was a challenge that they had to go through. there was a refiner's fire that had to remove some impurities that the Israelites had fallen into in sin but he said I know this is going to hurt for a little bit but it's it's actually me loving you it's actually me wanting the best for you and so that final heart posture is to be too hot the world says, you don't need to be that passionate. You shouldn't be that passionate about church. Like, be more passionate about football. Be more passionate about, well, I'm sorry, but my Savior died for me. I'm going to be a little bit passionate. And I don't need to apologize for it. I should be excited. I should be pumped up. I should be jumping up and down. I should be excited to give my life to God. And that's the good soil. John Wesley said, light yourself on fire with passion and people will come for miles to watch you burn. Hebrews 1.7 says, he makes his servants flames of fire. Cold is not flames of fire. Lukewarm is not flames of fire. If we want to influence people to see the God that we know and that we love, it's going to be fire. But remember, it's a refiner's fire. It works healing inside and then it displays itself outwardly. And if we're not experiencing passion, which is what that fire can look like, I would probably say that we are not on purpose. And the reason I say that is because if you look at passion in the regular dictionary, not Christian dictionary, but like Merriam-Webster, literally that, that dictionary, or dictionary.com. It will say the suffering of Jesus Christ on the cross. Why would it say that? Well, because Jesus expressed the ultimate form of passion, because he was willing to suffer for something greater than himself because he was connected to his purpose. And if we're not passionate, if we're not alive, if we're not, then I would probably say, that we're not connected to our purpose. And what's our purpose? Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to me. You see, the life of the believer is a life where nothing is left unsurrendered. Everything is used for his purpose and his glory. And I remember when I got to church and I needed desperately to see things revived. I needed passion. I needed life. I needed 100X. I needed, I needed 1X. I needed something positive. I remember God spoke and said, if you surrender all, I'll do all. Because it's not gonna be by your might, it's not gonna be by your power, because your life is a freaking train wreck. You can do nothing for me apart from me. But he said, everything you surrender, I will revive. Everything you surrender, I will revive. Anything you withhold, I cannot touch, I cannot put my fire on, I cannot breathe upon. But if you would just give me your whole life, Alex, if you will just give me everything that you have, I know it's dysfunctional, I know it's not pretty, I know it's, I, I know. But if you will trust me and surrender it, I will revive it. I will put passion on you that will not go out. I will do what no other person could do for you because I will put my hand upon you. And that offer is the same for you and I today. I surrendered my mask in needing to be like fake to everybody. And I said, you know what? I'm gonna be real because God said, confess your trespass to one another, pray for another, you'll be healed. And guess what? As soon as I was known fully, I was loved fully. 
And some of us need to put off being fake in connect groups, fake in relationships here at church and just be real and say, you know what? I'm struggling with this. Hey, I'm having difficulty with this. Hey, that's actually more strength than it is to hide something. I surrendered my lifestyle of being addicted to porn, of sleeping around, of doing all the things that the world says are totally fine. But just because it's socially acceptable doesn't mean it's acceptable in the kingdom. And so I took an old way of thinking. I took an old approach, a, a thing that was outdated. And I said, you know what? I know I've, I've messed up. I know I've literally done things my way for 22 years, but you know what? I'm not gonna have sex before marriage. And I'm committing to that. And guess what? My wife and I, we did that. And the, by the grace of God, because she didn't live the right way either growing up. And, but we said, hey, we're gonna consecrate ourselves from now on. We're gonna do things the kingdom way. And I guarantee my marriage, my life, my, our relationship is better than anything I could have done in my own strength. I began tithing and giving God turn around my finances. I began serving because I realized life isn't just about me, it's about other people. And I said, God, if you're building your church, if that's the only thing you promised to build, then I'm tying myself to the ship and I'm not doing, I'm not, I'm not committing my life to anything else other than building your church. And that's all of us, whether we're in the marketplace, whether the full-time ministry, traditional, like staff, it doesn't matter. We're all tied to the church. So as we all stand, I would love everybody to stand to your feet. I want to pray for us as we as we close. What needs reviving today? Because God can only revive what we're willing to surrender. And so if everyone could bow your heads, close your eyes real quick, and we're about to close. Maybe you're here and you're like me and you're so far from God that you feel cold and you feel like, I don't even have a relationship with God. I don't talk to him. I don't even know him. And today you're saying, I need to be in relationship with him. Or maybe you once were, but you became lukewarm and became cold and you're far away from him now. But you say, I need to come back to Jesus. Then friend, today is your day. Right now is your opportunity to respond and surrender your life completely to him, to make him savior and Lord. He died so that you and I might have life and have it abundantly. So on the count of three, I'm gonna ask you to lift your hand just so I know who I'm praying for. One, friend, God loves you. Two, I promise you'll never be the same. Three, if you could just lift your hands wherever you're at, just so I can see that. Beautiful, I see your hand. Beautiful, I see your hand. Beautiful, I see those hands up here. Incredible, I see those hands. Beautiful, I see your hands up top. Beautiful, I see those hands. Beautiful, I see those hands. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. I'm gonna wait 10 more seconds for someone waited 10 seconds for me. If your heart is racing, you're like, dude, I wish this guy would just shut up. I want you to lift your hand right now and allow me to pray with you. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.